Between May 2020 and December 2021, I have secured $8,121,009.35 in legitimate funding for Black and minority-owned businesses. My name is Taliba Bales, and I'm the host of the Black and Bankable podcast. Effective immediately, I am coming for more for the community. Hello, y'all. This is Taliba with the Black and Bankable CEO podcast. I am back for another episode. And I first want to thank each and every one of you for viewing the prior episodes. If you hadn't checked them out, please make sure that you go to episodes one and two. This is now episode three. I'm extremely excited and on a roll, very motivated by those of you who are checking in with me. So please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast because we are in this with you and your Black-owned business for the long run. So if you hadn't already noticed a pattern, Every Thursday is when I am airing a new episode. Now, I also do some training content videos that I may sprinkle in here or there. And certainly when I'm interviewing on other uh, podcasts or if I'm showing up somewhere else in the public, I may sprinkle a little bit of that magic here on the podcast channel. But for the most part, this podcast is dedicated to getting your Black business back bankable. Now, before we hop into me challenging you yet again, you know, asking you, are you really a boss yet again? I want us to dive into what the word bankable means for you. Um, I want to invite you to check us out on our social media channels, on my business's webpage, all of which the links are going to be right underneath this podcast so that you can see how we are on the front lines with Black business owners in various financial aspects. But when we think of the word bankable, the first thing that I want to know is what financial challenge what financial challenge are you currently ex currently experiencing when it comes to not being able to get funding, when it comes to perhaps you were denied for a loan because you did not have your financial statements or the financial statements weren't accurate, perhaps you just simply took yourself out of the game because you knew that you had to have a couple of tax years caught up right before you could or you had to get your tax life in order or is it just that those aren't those challenges for you but you are profitable you have a tax bill you're trying to identify strategic ways and that's called tax planning to take you and your employees and your business to the next level perhaps a self-employed 401k or some other strategy of that nature those are all things that i define as bankable that i define as unlocking any challenge and that could also be access to information 
any challenge that you are currently experiencing that's preventing you from getting to your best life in your business, that's preventing you from making that million dollar mark or $2 million mark or $100,000 mark, whatever mark you have written down as a financial goal for your business, if there is something in the way of that business that has to do with taxes, that has to do with bookkeeping, that has to do with tax planning, that has to do with loans, then that's why you're here. That's why this, this Black and Bankable podcast has been created. That's why I'm in front of you. So I wanted to make sure that you know, because you're listening, this is what you're getting. This is what you're subscribing for. This is what you are tuning in. And like I've said in the par episodes, there is no fluff here. Okay, I've been doing this thing for 15 years with black business owners and my mom, my whole life, I have a team of folks combined, we probably got about 100 years experience in dealing with numbers. So when I'm coming to you and I'm talking to you about something that has affected your black business, trust and believe we've seen it, trust and believe we've overcome it and we have gotten businesses exactly where they need to be. They have be they have become bankable. So I wanted you to know that so that you can understand where I'm coming from when I'm challenging you today. Because today, if you hadn't seen that title of this episode, I'm challenging you by saying, are you really the boss that you think that you are? Are you really the boss that you think that you are? Okay, and this is going to be rooted in, of course, and always, IRS guidelines. Anything that I'm coming at you like that on, I'm not only going to challenge you, maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable, but then I'm going to give you the tools that you need to just go ahead and set that anxiety behind, that uncomfort behind, and get to get to this money. Okay, get your business where it needs to be. All right, so. What we're talking about today is really and truly, are you running a business or is the IRS going to hit you with the hobbyists? Like, nah, you're not a boss. You're not a boss and we need you to prove it because otherwise we're going to deem this operation that you're calling really and truly a hobby. Now, the guidelines that I'm going to go over These are guidelines that have been around for forever and certainly pre-pandemic, okay? Let me say that. These guidelines have been around pre-pandemic. However, what I want us, when when you're listening to these things or you're writing down these guidelines that I'm about to go on that that you're going to check in on in your business to make sure that you're the boss that you say that you are, really, I want you to look at these things as pieces of your foundation that you need to make sure you have in place. I'll address them from the context of these are things the IRS will be looking for. And under the context as if you received a letter from the IRS saying, I need for you to prove to me that you're a boss and not a hobbyist. However, we're getting ourselves together using these guidelines so that number one, even if a letter were to come, we're already ready. But these are going to be 
foundational pieces that you need to be aware of. And I'm sure that you've heard before, but you're going to hear it again. And then we're going to give you the tools to make sure that you are effectively executing this foundational piece so that you have no problems, so that you know that you're a boss. So are you ready? We got a couple of things to go over. So again, the key terms that we're starting out with, as I said before, I want you to write down business, and then I want you to write down hobby. Business or hobby, boss or hobbyist somewhere, okay? Now, the IRS has these two categories and they distinguish between the two because it has to do directly with how your business will be able to file taxes. So you see, I'm not just, you know, checking you on whether or not you're a boss for absolutely no reason. Of course, this has to do with how you are going to be able to file taxes, how the IRS will accept your business's performance. And remember, we talked about those tax forms that you file in the prior episodes. So let's break this down. Business or hobby. So the IRS says that you are legitimately in business, right? You are legitimately in business, okay, when you intend to make a profit. And of course, most of us, I, I, don't, I don't know anybody <laughs> that starts a business that doesn't intend to be profitable, so that's easy, right? It says it, that, that if you're a legitimate business, you intend to be profitable, then you can deduct when your business is profitable and when your business is not profitable to the point that it's not profitable. And we talked about an unprofitable business that may have experienced a loss, right? Greater than the money that they brought in. So we talked about that negative tax return. So when the IRS says you're a business, you can have the negative tax return. There is no question because we got your paperwork in order. So if there's ever a question, you have everything we need to, to prove if there's any question. However, that hobby word, the hobby word on the other side. Now, if there is a question about whether or not you're a boss or whether or not you're just really doing a hobby, what happens from a tax perspective is if you're considered a hobby, you can only reduce your, your, your income by, the, by that amount. So if you made 5000 and your expenses are 10000 if the IRS says you're a hobby, you're only going to be able to deduct 5000 You can only reduce your income by the, by the amount that you made in your expenses. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. So I want you to also write down the word disallow. Because remember when I gave you that example of if you're a hobbyist, you can't have, so in essence, you can't have that negative tax return. The formal word for that is disallow, meaning the opposite of allow. The IRS is going to say, well, we don't believe that you're actually trying to uh, have a profit. You, you didn't get into this thing to be profitable. So we're going to disallow you being able to write off your expenses at a certain amount. And so that's what that 
that 5,000 case study that I just mentioned means is if you're a hobby, you can't have a negative tax. Now you'll have a zero tax return. And so you may be saying, well, you know, at least I'm able to write off something, right? But in my mind, you're, that's leaving money on the table because if you're in it for, if for the personal profit and because life happens or because the reality of the pandemic happens, anything happens, your business is actually not profitable and you had those $10,000 in expenses, well, you want to be able to claim the $10,000 that you spent which would then have you having a non-profitable business. And when you file that with your taxes, that could have other benefits in your overall tax package, especially if you are filing a Schedule C or if you are filing, remember we talked about an 1120S as an S Corp in the prior episode. And if you really and truly had a $10,000 level of expenses and only $5,000 brought in, you want to be able to bring that $5,000 loss into your personal tax packet because that could help reduce the tax bill as it, as it relates to the overall scope of your household taxes. So you see why it's important that you get that paper out and that you write down these, these guidelines that the IRS is going to be looking for to determine whether or not you're a business or a hobby. Because if it's a hobby, you're going to be leaving money on the table because you're not going to be able to have that negative tax return. Your, a portion of your expenses are going to be disallowed if you're a hobbyist, if you're deemed a hobbyist and not a boss, okay? All right, now before we get into those guidelines, and this is where I want to give you some context to let you know that these guidelines have been around for some time, certainly pre-pandemic. So, but I do want you to know that there is a test. This test of whether or not you are considered a hobbyist or a boss, uh, it's called the three out of five test, okay? It's not just, you know, one tax year and the IRS is looking at it and you have a negative tax return. And then now all of a sudden you're on this huge bulletin board in the IRS lunchroom and everybody's looking at your name, trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. That's not what I'm saying. It is, it is a combination and it's built on a three out of five test is what they call. So what that basically means is um, if you made a profit in any, in any of the three out of five consecutive years, then it is assumed, the IRS assumes that you're in this thing as a boss, you're in this thing for the intent to have a profit. You have what is called a profit motive, right? And so the three out of five is three profitable years out of five total years. Now, I know you're probably already thinking, I've written my, I have a negative tax return for 10 years. <laughs> Definitely more than five years, you know, and we and we talked about this in the prior episodes when I mentioned, you know, what I called in a learned behavior, right? And I talked about for some reason or another in our community, there has been a, a deep-rooted learned behavior to write everything off. 
And remember, I said, it's never a judgment zone over here. I understand it. I live in the community. I am part of the community. I get it. I've been in this tax industry for a long time. And, and, and folks before me that have passed down this, this industry to me have been in this business for a while. So I understand it. Um, and so your worry of, well, shoot, I've been writing everything off for forever. Don't be super alarmed, right? But that's why you're here today to for 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 me to just throw throw some stuff at you from a different angle for you to add to your list of things because at the end of the day this is your business, but so that you can be properly equipped with other options to do something different. Okay? So when so when we talk about this 3 out of 5 test, 3 proper years out of 5 total years, and you're like, yeah, you're looking at me crazy because you know you've written you've written off stuff way many more years than that. What I want to say to you today is write it down and let's see if that's a learned behavior that we can improve over time. The other factor of the three three out of five test is the reality that we're in a pandemic. Okay. And so I mean, come on. I don't foresee the IRS sending very many of these challenge letters out. In fact, we know that IRS has actually stopped sending a, 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 a slew of letter, letters just because they're behind on process and stuff. And that's a whole nother conversation. Do I think that you're going to get a letter on this and we've been in the pandemic for two years? No. Do I work for the IRS? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely not making the decisions, but just on logic, that is, we're not, we're not, that's not what we're talking about here. Remember, we're giving you these guidelines so that you can use them as foundational pieces to be bulletproof from the jump. Should you ever get a letter, you're bulletproof because you've written down these things. So, so because it's been a pandemic, there's certainly an assumption that a lot of businesses have taken a loss. Okay. But you just need to know that there is this three out of five test. Um, it's not, you know, calling you a hobbyist to your face. It's not something that happens just in one year tax review is the point. So are y'all ready? Okay. Y'all know me whenever I'm looking away, I got to have my notes because I got to, I'll, I'll go off script because I just love, I love talking and communicating to y'all. I get so passionate about this stuff and my folks tell me I need to make sure I have my notes. So when I'm looking away, I'm not ashamed to say all oh, this stuff is not in my head. So y'all want to make sure I'm looking at these notes too. So number one, what's the number one thing that I want you to write down when it comes to me challenging you saying, are you a boss or are you just playing? Are you a hobbyist somewhere? And number one is, do you have thorough and business-like books? The IRS is saying, do you have thorough and business-like books? Their exact wording, not mine. But let me translate. Let me translate that for you. What that means is really bookkeeping. Do you have a system in place in which you are efficiently tracking your income and your expenses? That's what thorough and business-like books mean. 
Now, in the prior episodes, we talked about that. Okay, we talked about anything from a range of you having an Excel spreadsheet, because I know it's some Excel masters out there you know what I mean on on making Excel work for you and and remember I said if if your learned behavior works in which you are you are making sure that Excel spreadsheet is up to date it's up to date if you know how to make sure that that that's going to produce the financial statements you need I'm gonna clap for you not even you know I'm not gonna bother you on that Excel spreadsheet too much because at least you have that now, of course, I want to hold your hand and get you somewhere else. But if you have that, that's thorough and business-like books. Okay. Um, you also know that we talked about cloud-based accounting. I'm a QuickBooks Pro Advisor and a QuickBooks uh, Solutions Provider, which means I resell QuickBooks stuff. So I'm a little biased, but I'm the plug to QuickBooks, okay, when it comes to getting you in there and knowing how to work QuickBooks. I just am. So of course, I'm going to say that, you know, that QuickBooks, having a cloud-based software like QuickBooks is definitely thorough business-like books. There's also Wave, I mean, you got a you got a number of different ways in which you can have thorough and business like books. Um, so, just have it. That's number one. All right. Now, number two. Now, now, this is not just me because you may say, "Girl, you said that in the second episode," and I hear that, and I know you've heard it somewhere else. But this is not made up stuff. The second test, the second thing that the IRS looks at before it calls you a hobbyist to your face and not a boss is, do you have separate business and personal accounts? You could go to irs.gov. I promise you, you'll find it there, right? And, and you've heard this before because I talked about it, you know, in several different ways in the prior episodes, but this is back, it's back, it's back. The IRS says, you're not really a boss if you don't have a separate business checking account. So what did we say last time as it relates to, to the things that you need to have in order to have a business checking account? So we said one of the things, and, and I know y'all probably want to fight me when it comes to having a legal business entity structure, but you know how I feel about that. You know that my recommendation to you is going to be that at the very least, you have a single member LLC that you're not a sole proprietor. And I'm going to do an entire episode on what the heck this means, because I know that we have a lot of 1099 gig workers out there, and, and I want to help y'all get to the bag too, right? But that's, I digress, right? The point of the matter is, in order for you to use this as a foundational piece, so that nobody's calling you a hobbyist to your face, they're calling you a boss is you have to have a separate business checking account. So that means you have to have a legal entity in place so that you can get an EIN. You can have your the articles that you filed, you know, at, with your local state, secretary of state, courthouse, however you do it in your state. And then you can go to a bank and get a business checking account. 
right? So those are the things that, that you're going to need. And for the most part, it, it fluctuates just a tad with some banks, but most banks at the very least are going to be asking you for your business's EIN, which links to actually having a legal entity structure, as well as the, the actual paperwork that you filed with your state in order to become a business, to get a business bank account. And if you found another way to do something, let me know. There are other ways, but we're not talking about that right now. Because QuickBooks actually has, FinTech is coming, is, is changing the game. QuickBooks actually has what's called QuickBooks Cash. But again, that's available in a QuickBooks account, which is still a business account that links to your business checking account. So y'all let me know. Let me know, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, put it under the comments. If you have been able to get a business checking account without these things I just mentioned, and I'll share it, no problem at all. Okay, the third thing that the IRS looks at before it calls you a hobbyist to your face and not a boss. Number three is, do you have separate credit cards from your business and your personal? So it's just, it's just a follow-up, an add-on, a pile-on, however you want to think about it, to number two. So the theme is, are you separating these things? Remember, we talked about we don't want it, we don't want to be commingling these things. Because the point of us getting you bankable and talking about these things is to get you into a long-term solution in which you're able to get financing. And when we pair you with a bank that's 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 ready to give you financing in fact we're not even going to pair you if you have all this stuff commingled because that says you're not ready to be paired with one of our funding partners yet and so if you if you have the goal if you've written down um that you want to get funding whether it's from a bank a traditional bank or a non-traditional bank and they ask you for bank statements you know, you can see, trust me, trust me. This is something that, that, that I am completely challenging you to do and we'll continue to talk about it. Uh, and, and I might even invite some of my funding partners on to, for you to hear it from them as to the things that they are looking for. In fact, I know I'm gonna do that. Now, one of the benefits of keeping and starting to get everything separate, and I know that y'all have heard about, I know y'all have heard about business credit, right? So that's a bonus, right? So that's, that's an incentive. So an incentive in getting everything separate, personal, separate from business, is now you can work on building business credit for your business because you have your personal side, which is uses your social security number. And then you have your business side, which is using your EIN. So when the IRS has challenged you with number three and saying, do you have separate credit cards or, you know, separate from personal to business, then your answer is yes because you have started to separate those things and you have started to build business credit. And of course we do those things as well. In fact, we have partnered with Divi um, to get our business owners into a business uh, credit card line of credit. All right. Now, what's the fourth one? The fourth challenge, and this is almost like a 
repeat right of of number one but it has a little bit of a little more language to it that i want to dive into so the irs exact wording is that you have a logbook to keep records of your business and your personal use of items such as if you have you know computers or if you have uh boats cars equipment computers do you have a logbook that's that that separates the business from the personal and just tracks when you purchased it do you in essence you know if i were to do be the government whisperer <laughs> that i think i am or this um this translates into do are you keeping your personal assets separate from your business assets remember we talked about that in episode two when you know and i just briefly talked about it when i said that and it probably was still under the same context of separating stuff out that that you very much want to have assets that are listed in your business's name because that also goes a long way in you being able to leverage those assets for funding down the line of course to reflect those things on your balance sheet all of that fun stuff so when we when we revisit number four and the irs is saying well do you have a log book <laughs> to keep records of you know the things that you purchase on the business side and on the personal side well you already have it now because that's still goes into how you're starting to separate out things from your personal from your business and remember the whole point of this is to give you the foundation so that nobody and certainly not the irs is able to call you a hobbyist to your face when you're walking around here believing that you are a boss all right so what's number five now, number five, especially if you've been in your business for some time, you probably are just going to laugh at this one because you know you got this covered. So number five is the time and effort that you put into this activity that you're calling a business and, and, and the time and effort that you're putting into it specifically to make sure that it is, in fact, profitable. Okay, that it is, in fact, profitable the time and effort now like i said if you've been in your business for a while and even if you're aspiring to be a business time and effort when you're a hundred percent boss it starts blurring together because you know especially um if you're just one like me where it's you know you're almost working on a 24 7 just because you're so motivated and and all of that fun stuff you know and and so time and effort that's the easy one right because you're like oh of course of course i'm waking up and i'm doing these things i'm calling these folks i'm making sure my crm is together i'm posting on social media i am joining different associations and networking with folks that all counts as the time and effort that you're putting into your activity in order to make it profitable so that's an easy one and that was number five so let's look at number six so the number six thing that the IRS looks at to determine if it's going to be able to call you a hobbyist to your face is your losses. So particularly, are the losses that your business it, that has, has it incurred, is it something that was out of your control? 
And this goes back to the whole thing of whether or not you're really in this to make a profit and the time and effort, you know, or, or, or is it just, you know, that, that you're not doing anything to make it profitable. So again, to refocus number six says, are the losses that your business, your activity has experienced, is it due to circumstances that are out of your control? Now, if you're a startup, there are normal startup costs. There are, there's, there's a normal solid one to two, three years that you may be spending more, right, than you're getting in. That's normal, okay? Those are actually, you know, things that that just comes along with it. They're out of your control. If you want to make money, you got to spend money. Uh, but when you're not a startup and you have been in business for some time, I would say over three years, and you are experiencing losses like we talked about before. Now, I do want to use this, this particular one to drill in a little bit because I'm pretty sure someone's all, almost ready to say, well, yeah, I actually do have bona fide losses. And every time that I had a negative tax return, it was for real to leave. Like, I'm not making these things up. And so let me just rewind it back and back and let you know that and I understand that, right? We are totally having a conversation that these are losses that you actually experienced. And I'm not saying you're making anything up, right? Uh, but under the context of what your tax returns need to reflect, when you tell me that you're trying to get to the money, when you tell me that you're trying to, uh, you know, get a home, when you tell me that you're trying to get, get some type of loan or a line of credit or a credit card, that's when we have the conversation which is really strategy. That's when we have the strategy conversation about how we write those off. So I did want to add that in there, especially since we're talking about, you know, losses. Uh, so, so make sure that you understand that that's the context of, of what we're talking about here when, when it's losses, not that we have, you know, anybody making anything up because we're past it. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay. Number seven, and then we have one more to go, all right? But number seven is, so you had those losses, right? You had those losses that were out of your control. Now the IRS wants to say, so what'd you do about it, right? Their exact wording is that they want to see a show of any change in operations that you have made in an attempt to make that profit. So, so let's talk about that. Remember, you challenged me. You said, yeah, I actually have valid losses. I spent $10,000 and I only made $5,000. And so my tax return needs to reflect that. Okay, we're going with that. What the IRS wants to do and what I and what I want to challenge you. And this is where the true tools in, in growing your business have to come into play. This is where the bankable CEO coaching program and what we do with businesses comes into play. And when you start seeing results, this is where strategy comes into play. Because you come to me and you say, I got a negative tax return and, and, and I'm sticking to it, <laughs> right? 
So then now I'm going to say, no problem. How can you get leaner in your expenses then? Can you raise your prices then? You, you, you see where I'm going with it? Now we gotta, we gotta, we gotta start looking at ways in which we can make sure that the next time you file taxes, it will be your very best effort, at least, to be profitable. And, and that has to be your, your, your circle. You have to be in a circle. You have to be surrounded by individuals that are going to challenge you and stretch you in that area. Because we don't want to just continue to keep experiencing a loss. And if you're at that point and you can't really identify, you know, why or what are some things that I can do, then that's when it's time for you to connect to an expert so that you can start having a year round conversation about making sure that your business is profitable. We're going to put the best damn effort forward throughout the year so that your business is profitable. Life can happen and it not be profitable. But when you connect yourself to an expert, a coach that is going to be having this conversation with you year round, that goes to this, to number, to number seven on a show of what you have done to change operations. That's what we're here for. That's what the Black and Bankable podcast is here for. A year round conversation. Yes, I own a tax firm. But, you know, one of the things I always say to my clients and to, to business owners is, you know, don't start having this conversation just at tax time because at that point it's too late. It's already happened. If you're serious about having a profitable business, you are going to be having these type of conversations year round. Now that could be on a monthly basis. That could be on a quarterly basis, but you definitely don't want to wait to tax time because when it comes to what are the things that you are doing to ensure that the next tax year, you've given your best effort to be profitable. Well, now that's what we're talking about. That's the challenge that I'm putting out there for you before I call you a boss or a hobbyist. So the very last guideline, number eight, that the IRS will look at when it comes to calling you a hobbyist to your face and you believing that you're a boss. And that is um, whether or not, and this is always funny, and, and it, it allows me to get on my soapbox. I'm going to try to keep it to not being on there, though. But the IRS actually says this, number eight. Whether or not you or your advisors actually have the knowledge needed to carry on the activity as a successful business. I, you know, that, that, that's definitely a challenge. I just said, are you a boss or a hobbyist? Okay, the IRS number eight is, is you know, it's, it's cutting deep. They're, they're, they're just flat out saying, okay, how about this? So we, we did one through seven. We did one through seven. You think you're, you know, you're, you're ready to roll. You're about to 
send that letter back disputing you being called a hobbyist to your face. And then number eight comes in and you know, you're in this, you're looking at, at the screen or you're looking at the piece of paper because the IRS is challenging you. They're challenging you. They're saying, okay, well, so look, do you actually have the knowledge to do these things that, that you say you're supposed to be doing to run a profitable business? Let me break that down for you. Let me break that down for you. Because remember, in my government whisperer brain here, what I'm seeing in number eight, they're not asking you if you know how to bake the hell out of some some cookies they're not asking you if you if you are making the flyest t-shirts they're not asking you if you are the best at the industry that you chose to start your business in that's not what number eight is asking you right let me read it again it says whether or not you or your advisors have the knowledge needed to carry on the activity as a successful business, what are they saying? Bake the hell out of some cookies, but make sure you have some people around you that know how to run a business. You get it? And so that really encompasses everything that we just talked about in this episode. Having all of these eight foundational pieces into your business makes you a boss and let me say this know your lane I don't know how to bake I do not know how to bake cookies at all I burn cookies that's come in the tube I, it's not my lane I don't know how to make sure I don't make t-shirts I know how to buy because somebody designed for I know my lane my lane is this so what I'm saying is Know your lane. And if something that is vital to your business is out of your lane, okay, you need to have somebody in that lane. You have to invest in a coach, an expert. You know, maybe you have to outsource something. Know your lane, play it well. Make sure that your team consists of an expert in the lanes needed for your business to be successful that's what number eight is saying right because you as the as the owner of your business that has chosen to start your business in that particular industry you chose that industry because you got that cup but so in order for your business to truly be successful, you have to have a team of folks, trusted advisors that know what they're doing behind you, holding up their lanes, right? Holding up their lanes, playing their lanes, playing the hell out of their lanes to make an overall picture of a successful business. So that's it. That is the episode. Again, you have eight pieces. Watch this again if you missed it. Watch it again if you missed it. Because these eight things that the IRS can look at and, and, and say, eh, they call you a hobbyist to your face and you sitting around here thinking that you're a boss, you know, use these things, use them now, implement them now. 
because they will make you a successful black business paying close attention to each of these eight things will make you a black and bankable business talk to me y'all let me know in the comments what you feel about these guidelines subscribe share with your business bestie let me know what else you want me to talk about Again, we're dropping every Thursday. We'll sprinkle in some extra content. Thank you so much for uh, listening in, watching me on this episode. Thank you again. Bye.